0: you as well. (laughs) Great to be here tonight and to continue the series, Overcoming Offence. Royce started off last week. Thank you very much. And we're going to continue the service. Royce gave us some definitions last week. I tried to find them and I couldn't. So I came up with my own. They're very similar. So just let's have a look at the screen to have a look at some definitions of offence, taking offence. Um, Actually, this could actually be called taking offence or taking offence. You will see about this fence later. And I'm fenced in for a while, but I shall escape the fence. So let's just get some definitions up on the screen. Taking offence is when we can be upset or hurt or annoyed, having irritable feelings often because someone's been rude or shown no respect, or they've bullied, I'm adding these ones, or the next slide says you feel injured, you feel it. You feel humiliated and offended. Now it can be something small, which Royce talked about last week, or it can be something accumulative, big. But taking offense is like taking a fence and putting it around us and we feel as if we are imprisoned because we take a fence and bit by bit, bit, we build a wall or a fence between us and others so that people don't ever see the real person because we're so busy protecting ourselves so we won't get hurt. And so we have this as an armour, and it gets thicker and thicker and thicker. So I want to talk tonight about getting rid of this fence or overcoming a fence. First of all, a story, a story Jesus told. True story, first of all. It happened to him. One day, he got an invitation by one of the important people one of the religious heavies to go and have dinner at his place. Simon, rich Pharisee. And Jesus went. Now having dinner was not sitting at a table, it was sitting on the floor with your feet behind you. I can't do it. Okay? I would go hungry. Have you ever tried that? You sit on the floor and you eat. I've had one meal in my life where I had to sit on the floor. It was given by Iranian refugees in Istanbul, and it was just set out on the most beautiful carpet. I had to sit on the floor all night and do something with my feet. And you can't put your feet forward, because that's where the food is, so they have to be behind you. You got it? You can try sitting like that when you get home. Now, they didn't really have lace-up shoes and boots. Some of them had bare feet, some had sandals. So Jesus is sitting there, along with others, And a woman comes in, a sinner. She's called an immoral woman, a woman that was rejected, a woman that had probably been humiliated and hurt. And she came in and she stood behind Jesus and she was weeping and her tears went down onto his feet. And then her hair was undone and came down, and with her feet, with her tears, and with her hair, she started to pour the most expensive, rare perfume onto the feet of Jesus. Feet, rare, expensive, perfume. There she is behind him, not in front, behind, washing the feet, tears. Long hair. Expensive perfume. Simon, righteous, arrogant, proud Simon. He's thinking. Let me just say it's very, very hard to have Jesus at as a guest at a meal table because he knows what you're thinking. So Jesus is so Simon's thinking, saying to himself. Jesus knew who that, if Jesus is a prophet, Jesus is a prophet. If he is who he said he is, if Jesus knew who was washing his feet, he would be up and out of here. It actually says, we know that Jesus isn't a prophet because he'd know who that woman was. So Jesus turns to Simon. He answers the thoughts of Simon. How about that? And right now, Jesus knows your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking, and he wants to answer your thoughts. So he said to Simon, answering his thoughts, he said, Simon, I've got something to say to you. I've got a story to tell. There, was, there were two men, and they borrowed money from a master. And the master gave one 500 And he gave the other 50. And after a while, neither of these men could pay back the money. Now, the owner of the money, the lender of the money, being a good man, a gracious man, he cancelled the debt, 550. Jesus turns to Simon and says, which one would love the master? the most. You know the answer? The one who's been forgiven the most. True? And so Simon says, uh, Jesus says to Simon, see this woman? See this woman? She has been forgiven much and she loves the most. Simon took offense. Simon was offended. Simon sat there piously righteous, and Jesus answered his thoughts. So just to look at offense, taking offense, overcoming offense, I often wonder why is it that I and you, we take offense? Why is it? And I would like to suggest that it's need-driven we have needs. And it's need-driven that we take our offense. I need to be liked. I need to be included. I need to be accepted. I needed to belong. I need this. We are needy people. There's nothing wrong with being needy. It's okay to be needy. It's just that we often go to the wrong people in the wrong place to get our needs met. And so we take offense because we want to be liked. We want to be included. We want to be accepted. We want to belong. So what happens to us when we take offense? This is when we start to build the fence around us we start to protect ourselves. We start to build a false security around ourselves, one post at a time. But when you've been doing it since you were two, three, four, 12, 16, 18, 80, no, I'm not there. When you start building it for a long time, it gets pretty solid. It's really solid, so we start doing this and we imprison ourselves with a false sense of security, a false protection. We say things to ourselves, I'm not going to let them hurt me anymore. I'm not going to let anyone get to me. I don't care what they say. And The problem is we really, really, really do care. We really do, and we're offended. We start to believe lies. That's where it goes next. We believe lies about ourselves, and so we start to internalize it. I'm not good enough. Nobody likes me. If they really knew what I was like, they wouldn't like me anyway. I don't even like myself. So how can anyone else like me? And so this little story goes on and on and on and in and in, and it's like an electric fence just bolting us with lies continually, continually. We believe the lies. Now, I happen to know who the father of all lies is. Do you? The father of all lies? He is the greatest pretender. He's the greatest accuser. He's the one that set out to destroy you. He's the one that does not want you to live free. He doesn't want you to be baptized. He doesn't want you to be a follower of Jesus. He doesn't want you to amount to anything. He wants you to feel miserable. He wants you to believe that doing it your own way is the best. The father of all lies. His name is Satan or the devil and he roars around, and he's got us fenced up because we're living the lies about being hurt. We're not good enough, we're not included, we're not accepted, I'm no good. What happens is that we live the lie, we believe the lie, and this leads to some strange behaviors. Some strange behaviors, so we start being untrue to how God wants us to be. We become withdrawn. We wait and wait for people to include us, to invite us, to accept us, to love us. And every time they don't, it's like, I knew that would happen. (laughs) They just don't like me. And so we keep building fences. But we stand there thinking, They didn't invite me. Will they invite me? No, they never invite me. Offended people continually wait for invitations because they don't believe they're good enough themselves to invite others into their lives and to reach out and to affirm others. So we live behind our fence and it gets... Very, very narrow between that. You can hardly see reality. You can hardly see what is going on. Withdrawn, depression, covering up, pretending, clowning around, being the joke at every party. These are the strange behaviors we take on. Addictions. We start being offensive, rude, arrogant, bullying. That which has happened to us, we start to do to others. Because that's our learned behavior. These are the lies that we believe. This is the offended person behaving as the victim. So we victimize others. That's horrible behavior. And with that comes guilt. Hatred of self, condemnation, shame, bitterness. Our hurts, our brokenness, our pain, our damage. Where we've been wronged. All that controls how we live. The fence must come down. The fence must come down. We can't get over it. We can't get through it. We can't get under it. We can't do anything unless it comes down. I hope you remember that. There's only one person who's the fence breaker the fence destroyer, the one who takes it out because he took our brokenness, our shame, our guilt, our failure, our hopelessness, our helplessness, all the stuff that we feel about ourselves, he took it and became it and died on the cross so that we could be free. And he is an incredible fence destroyer true? He's the fence destroyer. What a wonderful God we have. His name is Jesus. And when the fence is destroyed, we can live to our full potential. We can be that person God wants us to be. We can be anything and everything. No, not anything. We, God wants us to be what he's made us to be. And that's what we can be. Our only hope is in the fence destroyer. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up the wounds. I've prepared a little thing called healing. And Amanda put it all together so that you could take this home. And I want you to get this now. I want you to have one. If you haven't got one, I've got about five here. They will put out on the seat, find one. Someone will give you one, steal one, get one. Make sure you've got one. I've got four. Put up your hand if you need one. Come and get it, come and get it. Here you are. Give it to. There's a few people there. Haven't got them. Great. Here's, here's another lady here. Good on you. Here's one here. Have you got one? Spare one? Great. Here's one. Here's one. Jenna? We need one. Many, many years ago, someone gave me a similar thing like this. It was typed out on the old typewriter. So that's how many years ago. Last century. And uh, I carried that round. I've still got it. Now, I've travelled the world been around and I had very little stuff. I've lived out of suitcases for weeks but I've always carried it because it was important for me. The person said to me when I went for prayer said, I want you to read this regularly and for a long time I did and I still do sometimes so let's just work through it. This is how you cooperate with the fence breaker. Okay, This is your part because I believe he's done that. He has destroyed the fence, he's thrown the fence out, but we live with the memory of the fence. You understand that? We still can't get out. We still see through the narrow cracks. We still live as if we are in prison, but he has totally destroyed it. And he says, this is what I want you to do. This may take time, it may go slowly, Depending on certain things, the severity of the lies we believe and how long we've believed them and how long it is since we've held the hurts and the pain of the offence we've taken. So that's why I want you to know that Jesus has done it, but we take a long time for it to go into our heart, into our mind, into our emotions to believe the truth. Healing comes through forgiveness Being forgiven and forgiving others. We'll talk more about that. That's the key words. The greatest thing in all the world is knowing I'm forgiven and I've forgiven others who've hurt me. Jesus said in his prayer. That is commonly called the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us as we forgive others. I want you to know that I believe this is a journey prayer. Forgive me, Lord, as I am in the process of continually forgiving others. Okay? As I'm in the process of forgiving, forgive me, Lord, forgive me. Give your hurts and pains to Jesus. That sounds pretty simple. I was in Africa once and I was in the, a uh, car, twin cab, ute at the back and the missionaries I was with, they picked up an old lady who had a big bag on her back and she hopped in the back seat. There were lots of people in the, ute of the, the tray of the um, ute and she sat there and she kept her burden on her back the whole journey. Can you believe it? She actually didn't sit on the seat. She got her legs and she was like this on the seat and she had her burden on her back the whole time. And friends, that's how many Christians live. You've got the free ride. You've got the fence destroyer who's totally done it. And we still carry around the burdens, the pain, the hurts. So I want you to give them to Jesus give them to him and next thing i've got there it says stay with jesus until you can see and know that he's taken your hurts the pain the offense i believe that our problem with accept it with forgiveness is that we don't accept forgiveness we find it so hard to forgive ourselves and yet god says i'll forgive you so we've got to stay there in the presence of God and imagine giving him the burden, giving him the pain, giving him the offenses, giving him the lies. Imagine it, see it, all wrapped up in a duffel bag, if you like, and thrown, if you like, at Jesus. He is the burden bearer. He is the carrier. Stay with him. Accept that he will carry it. And see him as the one who's carrying it. And every time it comes, see him. See him do it. And say thank you. Thank you. Over and over again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Do you know, I have a pretty bad habit. I think it's okay. It works for me. But whenever I start praying, (laughs) I've got to stand up and walk around. And I go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm hoping that no one is around listening to me praying out loud. As I'm in my room or outside, I'm saying, thank you, Jesus. You've forgiven me. Thank you, Jesus, your Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you is pretty important. It's powerful. Once is not enough. Once it comes out of your lips, two, three, four times it goes into your heart, into your soul, where you say, oh, God, I'm so grateful. Thank you is saying, I appreciate you, God. I couldn't do it without you. Thank you is humbling yourself to say you needed someone to deliver you. That's why it's important to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep saying it over and over. What do you have to say over and over? Thank you. What do you have to say? Thank you. Can you say it again? you're not thanking me who are you thanking yeah thank you Jesus now I actually believe it helps if you can share this with someone else someone trusted someone who can hold confidentiality someone who's just just tell them just say I really find it hard to forgive you don't have to tell them what it is if you don't want to I really find it hard to forgive this person, these people, this thing that happened when I was 20 years old, or 20 years ago. (laughs) Some of you are not quite that old, but never mind. When I was five, when I was seven, when I was six, I can remember stuff. Let me just tell you a quick story. When I first started out in ministry, I was praying for people. Every time I prayed, I heard this voice saying, Who do you think you are? And it happened. Time after time, so that I didn't want to pray for anyone. I didn't want to do ministry. And I went home one day and I thought, God, this is ridiculous. What's happening? This is what God said. I don't know what you're talking about. I said, God, you know, every time I pray, I don't know what you're talking about. I've forgiven you and I choose to forget. However, you've got a memory. But Satan has a very good memory and he exaggerates. And it's lies and exaggeration. So every time you're praying for someone, it's Satan saying to you, Who do you think you are? Next time, say to him, Get lost. So it happened. I'm there praying the next time. And along comes the little voice. And I actually turned around and said, Get lost. And you know, that was it. As far as praying for people, it freed me to pray for others. Of course I've failed. Of course I've mucked up. Of course Satan likes to remind me. But Jesus says, I've forgiven, and I choose to forget and not hold it against you. How liberating is that? Together we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's great. Okay, so uh, forgive the people who've offended you. This may take time. Father, forgive me for holding it against them. Forgive me for my part in this, and I want to forgive so-and-so. I've prayed about this before, Lord. I've asked you before. I've chosen to forgive, but the pain is there. And I'm trusting you to help me so that the pain is not as hurtful anymore. And I don't want to retaliate. I don't want to build fences. The fence is gone. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. When the pain returns, remember who is carrying your hurt. Who's carrying your hurt? Jesus. Remember Jesus and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Repeat, I'm forgiven and I forgive. Help me, Lord. Now, if after some period of time you feel that, inside hasn't changed. You can't forgive. The pain or something that's happened is more than offense. It was worse than an offense. It wasn't something where you chose to be offended. It was really something that was wrong and you were wronged badly and you're a victim and the pain of that is horrific. I want you to seek counsel about that. But the other thing I want you to be very, very careful about is before you go up to someone and say, you offended me, but I forgive you, I want you to talk to an older person about how to do that. Because we should never, ever, never, we are the one that took the offence, okay? And until we are forgiven and we are forgiving the others, can we really address the issue When we know that God has forgiven us, when we know that we have taken offense and have asked God to forgive us, only then is it appropriate. Not to say you offended me, but something like I didn't understand what happened. But talk to others about this before you make it a lot worse, going around blaming others for offending you. May God give you the courage to live the truth. The truth is God is for you, not against you. God is the greatest fence destroyer that there is. Shame, condemnation, guilt, hurt, pain. He's broken the fence and he carries it. Thank you, Jesus.